What if you could be doing something smarter with your money that creates income now? If you're wanting to get ahead financially and enjoy greater freedom of choice, if you want a comfortable retirement and you know you'll have more choices if you can do more with your money now, if you've wondered who else is creating ways to make their money work for them and you want actionable ideas with honest pros and cons and no fluff, welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. All right, everybody, welcome back to another great episode of the Richard Geek Podcast. We have uh, Shahar Abrams, and we are going to talk with uh, Shahar about crypto and uh i I think everyone has questions everyone you know is wondering what the heck is crypto assets we've all heard about it but uh what exactly is it so uh welcome shahar how are you doing i'm doing great mike thanks um your background is you you're you've done some type of traditional enterprise type blockchain stuff Um, so give us a little bit about who you are what your background is before we dive into it. Sure. Um, so my background is in, you know, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do growing up. I studied finance in college, um, but I kind of quickly realized a life in, you know, banking or in the traditional financial system wasn't for me. Uh, so after I graduated, I think I did the uh, biggest, you know, cop out thing that people do, which is you go into consulting uh, because you don't know what the heck you want to do. Um, so I, you know, in consulting, I joined IBM, uh, working, you know, in their federal government practice, uh, as a consultant. And I did a lot of analytical work, data science type of stuff. That's kind of the track I was on. And then in mid 2017, I discovered, um, the tech, you know, the blockchain, um, and what this actually was. I had heard about Bitcoin before, you know, it was kind of a, a fanciful, you know, thing for me. I didn't really take the time to understand it. And in 2017, that changed. I, you know, read a very good book that kind of explained the tech and immediately I was hooked. Um, and it, for me, it, it kind of presented a solution to a few problems I was really worried about. Um, you know, I'm still worried about, but now at least I can be optimistic about them, which is um, I think, you know, some of the biggest problems we face today, um, trust on the internet, right? And security, right? And, and, and kind of individual sovereignty on the internet, which is really uh, something we can't be so comfortable with right now. Um, and, and crypto uh, as a tech, as a ecosystem, and as even kind of a philosophical uh, movement, you know, is, is trying to answer those questions um, in a way that I think emphasizes um, individuality and pri- personal privacy, personal control, some things that I really care about. Um, so I started working and I started investing in the space uh, in 2017. Um, I, as luck would have it, you know, I, it was pretty good timing for me. It was like the middle of 2017. So I quickly made a lot of money, which I wasn't expecting. Um, and it definitely exposed the fact that I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> as an investor. Um, and so, you know, I, I didn't sell anything. Um, after, you know, making 400% in a few months, right, I just hodled, right? I thought that's what you were supposed to do. And I watched over the next two years, 18 and 19, I watched all of my 
paper gains disappear and, and then some. Um, but, you know, I was totally hooked. Um, I kept doing research on it. I also dedicated myself to, you know, not making that mistake again, getting better at understanding investments and, and strategies and stuff like that. Um, I started working um, at IBM in our blockchain practice uh, by the end of 2018. Um, and I was going to lots of conferences, learning a lot more about the space, learning a lot more about investments. Um, and, you know, by the end of 2019, I was pretty much almost all in to crypto. My conviction was just so high. And I knew, you know, I could take that risk being a young guy with, you know, no dependents and that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, fast forward a couple of years, that bet really paid off for me. And, and now I get to focus on um, doing what I'm really passionate about, which is helping spread the ideology of this technology and, and its promise um, and its benefit to as many people as I can. So I, that, that's kind of my MO for uh, focusing now on education. Well, space. you know, for an old guy like me that, you know, I'm thinking, it's, I don't even know what blockchain is. You know, I keep everyone, these little buzzwords and... Yeah. And, you know, Elon Musk is talking about all the, it's, you know, uh, here's what I don't understand. It is, it's a technology, but people are buying and selling it and paying things for it. I mean, what is this thing? It, it's because some people are saying, well, it doesn't really exist. Right. Uh, yeah. That, that's a great place to start. So let's start yeah. there. So. A blockchain, blockchains have actually been around for a while. The idea of a blockchain is a cryptographically linked, you know, chain of data where every piece of data we put, it's a database, okay? It's just a fancy kind of database. But every piece of data we put in this database, we cryptographically link it to the data before. And so if anything in the data changes, it breaks the cryptographic link, it's very obvious, right? So for this reason, blockchains are said to be very secure, very tamper evident, they are fully tamper evident and thus somewhat tamper resistant, right? Because you have this immutable record of the data, right? Now that idea was around for a while. The innovation that happened in 2008 with the Bitcoin white paper um, was this idea of distributed consensus. So how do we actually take this type of database, a blockchain and make it decentralized so that we can actually fully trust the data because you know, there's nobody with, you know, God mode over the database that can, that can in fact go in and perhaps change the hashes. And more importantly, right, if this is a system that's going to be used for value transfer, which again, not a new idea, ever since the internet, you know, was created, there were people working on this problem. Well, how do we send value natively on the internet? That would be great. The problem was every time you tried to do it, um, it was centralized and so it would get shut down or it would get corrupted. Um, but with this innovation of distributed consensus combined with this very um, uh, high fidelity way of storing data in a blockchain, um, you actually can achieve this. And that's what Bitcoin and now many other crypto, uh, crypto assets have proven. And so what is actually, you know, it is that, that has the value, right, is um, just, you know, numbers on a screen, right, a data entry in a database. Not, not really so different from how your money is in the bank now, right? The, there's no actual money there. It's just numbers on a screen that they show you. And it's numbers that correspond to their entry in their ledger, in their database, about what you have, a function of all your credits and debits. 
Now, all we've done is take that ledger that your bank needs to maintain. And every time you make a transaction, they got to talk to the other banks with their ledgers and do make sure they change it on each side. That's why it takes so long and it's so costly. We've, been, we've taken that process and we've made it um, into an open distributed process where we can all now see um, the data on that ledger, what my balance is, what my transaction history is, and therefore, you know, what I currently have, right? And so once again, so it's, it's numbers on the screen. The difference is that this is, crypt, you know, it's, it's cryptographically um, recorded and unique. So, um, you know, you've probably heard there are only ever 21 million Bitcoins, right? Every Bitcoin is an entry on this ledger to just say, you know, here's one Bitcoin, it's in this account. And, you know, when you send it to another account, however much you might send, you know, it moves over there. And so it's, it's all just a ledger. Whatever the ledger says is the truth, right? It's a single source of truth. Does that, does that make sense? Uh, <laughs> what exactly? So you're not really buying something that has, where's the worth in like Bitcoin? So I, I go to you uh -huh. and say, okay, I, I want to buy 10 Bitcoin or Dogecoin or these dog, you know, whatever it is. Um, why is there value in just this journal entry file, this number, you know, mm -hmm. why, what makes it have at the, value? Yeah. At the end of the day, what gives any asset value, I would say at the very fundamental level is trust people's trust in the asset that it's worth something that it has some use, mm -hmm. right? Um, the US dollar, right, doesn't have intrinsic value, obviously, right? But we all trust that we can use our dollars to pay taxes or to buy goods and services. And so this gives it value. Gold um, doesn't have, uh, also doesn't really have intrinsic value to us unless you're a very skilled jeweler. And even then, you know, that's probably not the whole, worth the whole price of what gold mm -hmm. is. Right, um, uh, but we trust that it has value because it's very difficult to counterfeit um, and it's very scarce, right? We know there's only a certain amount of gold. So those things drive the value um, for, for these types of assets. And with Bitcoin or other crypto assets, it's no different. Um, I would say what gives Bitcoin value is the fact that you can trust it. You can, it, it's, and in fact, it's more scarce than gold, right? Because we don't know how much gold there is in the ground, but we all know how much Bitcoin there is in a given point in time and uh, how much Bitcoin there will ever be, right? And we can never make more. Um, and it's actually more difficult to counterfeit, right? It's actually never been successfully counterfeited. And if, you know, if someone were able to counterfeit a Bitcoin, that would kind of, you know, it, it would not, no longer have value, right? Um, because that's part of the point. You cannot, you cannot counterfeit it. You can't counterfeit some entry on this ledger, right, um, uh, on your own, right? And it's incredibly scarce um, and it's decentralized, right? So, you know, part of what gives something like the US dollar or another fiat currency trust um, uh, value is the fact that we really trust the central institution that's behind it. Mm -hmm. And with good reason, you know, a lot of the time. Um, so the United States, you know, backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government, that sounds pretty good. But if you substitute that with, you know, backed by the full faith and credit of the government of Zimbabwe, that, that doesn't sound as good. 
right? Um, yeah. But on the other hand, we what we say, you know, in Bitcoin and crypto is backed by the full faith and credit of math, right? And and that's really what we're trusting in at the end of the day. Why right? we're trusting in the distributed system, we're trusting in computers all around the world that can be run by anyone to maintain this ledger and protect the security of the network, i.e. the fact that it can't be counterfeited and that you can you, you can use it, right? You can send it to anyone that you want, right? Whether you want to pay for goods and service or do a remittance, right? Um, or just you want to send money around, right? You, you have the ability to do that uh, permissionlessly, what we say permissionless, you don't need permission from anyone, right? And it cannot be censored or stopped, right? So Bitcoin literally is the single most secure um, record of data that we have ever created in humanity. It's the most immutable, secure way of storing data possible, right? Because, because of its decentralized nature and the amount of computing power, right, that, that's behind the network as a whole. So, so who controls this ledger? I mean, who, where does yeah. it sit? So it, the, the ledger is distributed, right? So you can go um, on a Bitcoin block explorer. If you Google Bitcoin block explorer or Bitcoin blockchain, you can see an entire record of the ledger, right? You can see every transaction that's ever been made. You can go do that today, right? Anyone can... Um, and, and, and if you wanted to, right, you could download the source code and actually download the entire ledger. You can sync with the network and get that ledger from another um, uh, node, right? And you can see everything. Now, it's an important question, right? Who, so, so you might ask, well, who gets to maintain this ledger, right? Mm -hmm. which, is, which is kind of what you're asking, right? It's very mm -hmm. important that the ledger is trustworthy and secure. Otherwise, none of this has value. Um, and so the answer is anyone can do it. Anyone can download code, and, which is open source, and then get some hardware and become what's called a miner, right? And what, what it means to be a miner means that you are participating in validating transactions on the network. So when I use Bitcoin and I you know, send, try to send it to someone, I'm broadcasting this transaction over the internet to the entire network. Now, the network of miners, which are running code to listen for these transactions, see my transaction pick it up, right? And then put it, package it into a block, right? A set of transactions that then gets appended to the ledger cryptographically, right? Um, now, in order to do this, right? The node, before they add transactions to the ledger, they effectively have to prove to the network, to all of us, that they are trustworthy, that they are acting in the best interests of the network, right? Now, only, you know, only one miner at a time gets to add transactions to the ledger. And so in order to do that, they have to win what's called, um, you know, the proof of work, right? Which you may have heard before is, you know, Bitcoin proof of work, Ethereum proof of work. These are the consensus mechanisms that these networks use, right, to, um, you know, decide who can add more transactions and maintain decentralization. Mm -hmm. um, so in order to do that, you know, uh, for what happens in proof of work, which is what Bitcoin uses, right, and Ethereum currently uses, is the way that we prove that we're trustworthy to the network is by expending a lot of computing power. And the idea being that if you expend enough computing power doing this certain calculation that's only really useful on the Bitcoin network, that means that you have invested a lot in the hardware to be able to do those calculations. And thus, you have real skin in the game, right? You have a real stake 
in this network. So that's so, where kind of the game theory, you know, comes into play. So that's where, like I've, I've read the newspapers and online that there are firms that are buying like these industrial buildings. Right. Just to mine. Right. So it, it, nowadays it, it's uh, very competitive to be a miner on a network like Bitcoin or Ethereum. It used to be back in, you know, 2012, 2013, you could pull up your laptop and your laptop would have enough hardware to, you know, mine a little bit, right? Mine competitively. Nowadays, uh, you need to be investing tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in hardware and infrastructure if you really want a shot in mining on the network. Now, if you are a small miner, you still want to mine on your laptop, you can do that. But what you'll do is you'll join a pool of, a, you know, a bunch of other people. And some of the largest miners are, in fact, mining pools that are made up of many different miners spread around the world. But um, there is a large uh, capital investment, right? You have to make if you want to be a really big miner and you have to think about, all right, what are my capital costs and the hardware I'm going to have to buy? How long is that going to be useful for, et cetera? And then what are my, your only other input is your OPEX, your energy costs, right? What am I going to pay for energy? Because that's all I need to mine. I need energy and I need the hardware. And then I can be anywhere, right? Um, as long as I have the internet connection and I can contribute to mining on the network. And just to give you um, an idea of, you know, how much this is happening, right? And mining uh, on Bitcoin and proof of work is the process of, you know, basically brute forcing a math problem, right? So doing lots of uh, operations again and again on a specific algorithm called SHA-256. Um, and right now there are around, I think the number is, you know, a few quintillion um, of these operations happening per second on the Bitcoin network per second. So quintillions of hashes per second um, every second of every day, right, on the Bitcoin network. That's what is behind Bitcoin, right? When people have what, what gives it value, well, mm -hmm. that's the security mechanism of it at play. So how are these crypto firms that are mining, um, how are they making money? You know, if they're just mining and keeping this database, uh, what's in it for Excellent them? Question. What are they doing? Yeah. So, yeah, great question. Why, what incentivizes miners to contribute their computing power to help secure the network like we talked about? Mm -hmm. And the answer is um, the miners actually get rewarded. So when a miner finds a block on Bitcoin or Ethereum, many crypto networks, um, in fact, work the same way. When you, when you mine a block, that block includes a reward for the miner, which is a new transaction um, which you call called a Coinbase transaction. You want to get technical, um, which says, pay me X amount of Bitcoin. It's a new transaction. The miner gets to add to the block just once when they find the block. That's known as the block reward. The block reward for Bitcoin started at 50 Bitcoins per block. So it used to be, and there's a block around once every 10 minutes in Bitcoin. So it used to be in 2009, 2010, every time you would find a block, you would get 50 Bitcoin as the reward. Um, now, back then, Bitcoin wasn't worth much. And what happens uh, is that every around four years, the amount, the reward is cut in half. So in 2012, the reward was cut from 50 Bitcoin per block for any miner that finds a block to 25. Then four years later in 2016, it was cut in half again from 25 to 12 and a half. And then in May of 2020, last year, it experienced the third halving. It's called the halving. 
um, <laughs> where now the Bitcoin block reward is 6.25 Bitcoin. So now if you mine a block on Bitcoin, which by the way is much harder than it was before, ever has been, um, your block reward will be 6.25 Bitcoin if you're able to successfully find the block. And that simultaneously um, is the supply inflation of, of the network. So you, yeah. you ask, where does new Bitcoin come from? That's where it comes from. It's but there's only so much that, that can- Correct. Because it, every four years, it keeps getting cut in half. Yeah. Where eventually um, the last fraction of a Bitcoin will be mined approximately in the year 2140. Why, why don't they make it easier? So a block is, um, I'm buying something from you and I'm paying via crypto that creates a block. Yeah. Okay. So I don't, you know, I don't like to work that much as far as like the, the thinking part. Why it seems to me, why don't they have cryptoblock.com and this is where people do their blocks? So you know it's important. Yeah, let me let me try and answer that. It's it's important, you know, when you make a transaction to send someone Bitcoin or whatever other crypto, right? That you broadcast it, it gets packaged with other transactions in a block, right? What becomes in the next block that's- Okay, so there is somewhere that I'm doing this. I'm not just going to Venmo and sending you crypto and no one else knows about it. Right, so so you'll have a separate application, like a front-end application called a wallet. Okay. Okay. Right, and you can wallet, wallet applications are not part of the blockchain, right? Anyone can build kind of a front-end, right? that just mm-hmm. sends transactions to the Bitcoin network. And that's effectively called a wallet. And nowadays there are really good uh, interfaces, right? For wallets that make it super easy where you can just okay. you know, put in what you want to send. You'll put in the address you want to send to, you hit send and the wallet does the rest, mm-hmm. right? Uh, some of these wallets, in fact, when you hold your crypto in these wallets, they in fact will pay you interest. They'll pay you mm-hmm. passive income on your crypto, much like a bank would, you know, for your deposits except like, you know, 10 to 50 times more interest, mm-hmm. right? So for instance, all of my Bitcoin that I hold in my um, wallet, I earn upwards of 3% per year on. All of my Ethereum that I hold in my wallet, I earn upwards of 5% per year on. Mm-hmm. And all of, um, there, there are another type of uh, crypto coin called stable coins, which are just uh, digital crypto representations of something like a US dollar, so we just take a US dollar and we make a crypto on it so we can send it on this distributed um, ledger on crypto rails, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those stable coins, which you can get for free, right? Just convert one to one with US dollars and they're all regulated. Um, I earn uh, close to 9% per year on just holding stable coins in my crypto wallet. Hmm. Now, what are the different... You know, it seems like Elon Musk has been talking about different ones, you know, and how... Tesla's hooked up and linked with some of them. And, you know, there's these Dodge. Dogecoin. You know, so are these just different companies? You know, there's Litecoin, Mm -hmm. uh, Neo. I I describe them as as networks because they're still trying to be decentralized where they're just uh open source code, right? That anyone can download and run and start contributing to the network. So much like there are miners, finding, you know, running a hardware to find blocks to add to the Bitcoin blockchain. Mm-hmm. The same is true for Litecoin. The same is true for Dogecoin. The same is true for Monero. The same is true for Ethereum, et cetera. Okay. Um, 
Now, the, di the difference is um, the characteristics of the network, right? So um, Dogecoin, you know, has much fewer miners. It has unlimited uh, supply right now. So there's no planned cap supply for Dogecoin. I think every day there are about 14 million Dogecoin being mined, and that'll continue indefinitely. Um, and so, you know, what, what you have to ask when you're thinking about, you know, which cryptos to buy is what network you want to kind of be a part of. And, and some of the reasons I think, you know, Bitcoin really stands out in this regard um, is, you know, it has the most uh, hashing power, right? The, the largest network effect. I think in crypto now, you know, because we are talking about networks, we're talking about investing in networks. Uh, the most important thing is network effect, right? Because the larger the network effect, the more user, users there are on the Bitcoin network, the more businesses accept Bitcoin, the more you can do with Bitcoin, right? The more people you can transact it with, the more goods and services you can buy, the more confidence you can have in it as a store of value. Um, so it all comes down to network effect. Um, so you need to ask yourself which crypto networks are going to be the most resilient, which ones are the strongest and which have the best um, potential to build strong network effects. Okay. Now, is there a difference between a coin and a token? Um, not, not really. I, I think it kind of splits hairs. I don't know if there's like an official definition. Maybe I'm missing, but generally those terms are used interchangeably. Okay, I was just curious because you hear some of some people talk about these yeah, tokens, you, yeah, and then hear yeah. some people say tokens, and tokens, and coins like that. So, you know, I, I think what we're getting out of this is that there's a lot of variables when you want to uh, learn about cryptocurrencies and blockchain. So it's not like I can just go out and, and wing it. You know, there's there's just a lot of different nuances about the different networks and, and which one, because, you know, now there's probably 10 or more different types of coins or networks. Thousands. Thousands. Okay. You know, so I, I think the end goal of what we want to talk about is, you know, what you're doing as far as helping people understand these things. You, you have a... Um, website. It's called Road to Babylon. Uh, tell us a little bit about your website sure. and what you guys are doing. Um, now first off, I called it, a lot of people ask me like, why the heck is it called Road to Babylon? Um, I named it after a book that was really influential for me called The Richest Man in Babylon, which is just an excellent kind of personal finance book. Um, so that was a lot of my inspiration for kind of how I teach about this stuff. Uh, from an investment perspective. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, I think you're absolutely right. Um, this is a really complex industry. Um, it's legitimate. Um, you know, everyone gets caught up in the market and the hype and the ups and downs. Um, what I try to impress on people is that if you pull back the curtain, uh, there's a lot of value going on and there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. It's moving very quickly. Um, and most, I think you're also right that most people jump in and don't really know what they're doing. In fact, 95% of people fall into that category that they're investing in stuff. In fact, they've never used it. They don't know a third of you know, what we just talked about in terms of how it works. Um, and in my opinion, that's a recipe for disaster um, because you're invest, you know, I think anytime you invest in something that you don't understand, 
It's a recipe for disaster. If you look at any serious investor, all of the best investors in the world, the one thing they'll all tell you is they don't invest in things that they don't understand, right? They, they'll never do it. Yep. Um, so I don't want people to be, you know, I think it's an incredibly promising space. I think it's a massive investment opportunity, um, regardless of what type of investor you are. So if you are more aggressive, um, it's great. If you're more conservative, if you like to focus on cash flow, it actually has a lot to offer you there. If you just um, care about it from a diversification perspective, it has a lot to offer you there. Um, so my, uh, what I'm endeavoring to do is, you know, just help people navigate all of those decisions, right. By educate, by informing them. Right. And, and I'm not going to tell you, you know, do this, do that because I'm not a financial advisor and I'm not a fiduciary. Um, but hopefully I can give you a great idea of how you think about this stuff, how you want to structure your investment, uh, strategy and framework in crypto and, you know, what are all the options and what you can do and all this stuff. So um, the best way I decided to do this was to just build a course. Um, and so this is something I've been working on for several months, almost a year. Um, a What I think is a comprehensive um, uh, tool kind of investors toolkit course um, for crypto. Um, it, it's over six hours of content. Um, it may get longer uh, as well. Um, and I, you know, it, it'll be coming out in the next couple of months. So if you're interested in that, um, you can go over to the website um, that Mike, you mentioned, um, and there's a, a section there that says course. So you can click on that and then you'll be able to sign up for, um, you know, early updates uh, when, when I do release it in the next couple of months. And I think, you know, that'll be a great resource for people that are interested in addition to that, I do I have a lot of free resources on my website, um, including a newsletter, which I do weekly, um, which is just, you know, kind of my thoughts on what's going on um, in the market. And I mix in some market analysis, I mix in some fundamental stuff, uh, some, you know, news, um, and it, it's really interesting. It's a lot of fun. So I encourage people to uh, check it out if, if you're interested. And you can also do one-on-one -on -one consultations if yeah, for people that uh, you know think they're ready to get into it now, or maybe they're already in and they want to get a better idea of a plan or a strategy, um, I offer one-on-one -on -one consultations. Uh, those options are also on my website under services, um, and uh, I'll, I like to start out, you know, with a short consultation, so you know, a free consultation, uh, just to get to know you and see, you know, if I can actually help and add value before I charge you or anything, and. Um, then, you know, we can, we can move forward or I can just answer some questions. Always happy to do that. Yeah. Perfect. And, you know, for everybody it's road to Babylon.org. Yep. .com, so make sure you have the .org. And once you're on the website, just like uh, Shahar was saying, you know, at least sign up for his newsletters. Uh, it's very easy to do. And, you know, I mean, this has been amazing. You know, it's I it's it's something that I listen to every day. Everyone's talking about this stuff. Yeah. But you know, it's kind of like uh, us back in the eighties. You know, with the the whole internet thing. And I'm like, going, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it's a lot like that. You know, it, it's to us, it was just like this. You know, what are you talking about? I can go online and do this, and, and you know, so it was just it's a breakthrough. And for us, some of us older people, it's like going, you know, how can this work? You know, just because we don't understand it, right? And 
things that you don't understand, um, you're going to have some type of doubt. But that's why um, people with your services are so important. It's, you know, that's how uh, it gets out there, you know, to make guys like me a little less scared in it, you know, because it's like, you know, I've always just, you know, real estate, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, Mm -hmm. you know, now there's this whole new thing um, that just is blowing our minds. So I really appreciate what you're doing. I, I appreciate that you're giving back and allowing people to uh, uh, to go on your website and learn. I, I think that is uh, it's just phenomenal talking about this stuff. I still don't understand it that much, so I, I may have to sign up for your newsletters also um, just to make sure. But Shar, um, I appreciate you coming on and taking a few minutes of time just to discuss this uh, absolutely. I, I feel like we could have kept talking for another couple hours, but. Um, well, you know, maybe we will have to do a, you know, a second episode, you know, one of these days, um, once you get your courses, you know, once things get going, we'll, we'll do a part two of this. Cause I think there's yeah. just a lot of stuff out there. There's so much to talk about. We, yeah. we scratched the surface, but I think we covered, you know, the really important stuff, frankly, about how does it actually work? And the questions you asked are, I think the, the right place to start for anyone, right? Get, really get your head around what's actually going on. What's the point? You know, why, why might it have value? Yep, absolutely. So, Shahar, uh, I appreciate it. Hey, everybody, roadtobabylon.org. And uh, thank you. Take care. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Richer Geek Podcast, where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth, and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichergeek.com slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others who could benefit from listening. And leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. I appreciate you, and thanks for listening.